The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he was 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend edition is back. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal as we buckle in for 2021. Happy New Year. Best of holidays to you and a uh, cheers and tip of the glass to a better 2021. A lot of college football to get into. How about the... Ohio State doing their job last night against Clemson. We'll hear from Dabo and from Sunshine, the quarterback who had a tough night last night for Clemson. Trevor Lawrence, incredible ball player, but man, oh man, that was a different looking Ohio State team. And uh, especially, oh, they were flying around. They were getting after the quarterback. I mean, them silver bullets looked dare I say, uh, vintage from a season ago. Some thoughts on uh, Nebraska football with the transfer portal. Who's coming on back? Who is heading on down the road for Nebraska football 2021? We'll hear from Coach Hoiberg because we're all excited about this 0-3 matchup of Nebraska basketball against 0-3 Michigan State in conference play. That tips tonight at PBA as uh, Nebraska basketball has become very difficult to watch. But uh, Hoiberg's got his identity, right? (laughs) I mean, it's going to be space, pace, and let's launch the three. Uh, That is the identity Nebraska's trying to forge. It has not worked out thus far as Nebraska football Contrastly, continues to search for their identity. Take some of your phone calls if you want to jump in this morning. Uh, numbers to dial up 466 3776 466 3776 800 825 5865. Can email chris at mark at hailvarsity.com, and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Next hour, we'll uh, hear from Brandon Vogel. I haven't talked to Vogues for a while, so we'll get the managing editor from HaleVarsity.com uh, and Magazine in. A great sit-down with HaleVarsity.com and Bill Moose you need to check out on expectations for 2021 for Nebraska football. And our dear friend, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will be with us at 8.30. And another friend of the show, Cranach, uh, on cue last night on Twitter, uh, big old Husker fan down in Alabama. Lars Anderson's been with us uh, a number of times over the years. Yeah. And uh, Lars's tweet last night, I'm going to say this, Ohio State football, you would not be playing Alabama for the national championship if it wasn't for one team and their kick-ass passionate fans. Go Big Red. Lars yeah. at 1030 last night on Twitter, again giving the – tip of the cap to Nebraska football last night 
and I don't know if you're to the point as, as a, a member of the Big Ten, as a Nebraska fan, where you cheer for your league, like, dare I say, the SEC does. But that felt good last night based on your inability as a Nebraska program right now to navigate successfully through the Big Ten in football. You're, you're working towards it. We, we all get that. And, man, Ohio State looked as good as advertised. You feel great for those kids that they got to play ball. And, man, they've been waiting a whole year for some payback, Cranach, and uh, they delivered it and then some. Uh, Ohio State looked like Ohio State was supposed to look like, and they did it on the biggest stage last night, offense, defense. Uh, uh, Mr. Parker running the football, or I should say Sermon, uh, you know, he was preaching loud and and proud uh, with the run game, and uh, great job by Ohio State. I, I thought they could hang around. I didn't think they'd win. They they won convincingly, as did Alabama, who looks different level against a really good football team in Notre Dame. Yeah, and well, and it's funny going into that game. Now you, you kind of look at Alabama and Ohio State, and you think that it, it, it kind of belies their history and their reputation, mm. but. I mean, that's got track meet written all over it. Now, it does, which right? means the unders you know, will hit, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's got. I mean, the loser could could put up thirty five or forty uh-huh. in that game, which is it's it's very weird to say. And who knows? Maybe by by the time you get, you know, that's like January eleventh, the week 11th. from Monday. So I mean, look, you give give these guys a week and a half to figure each other out. Maybe the that'll kind of mute the scoring a little bit. But God, just in terms of the weapons you have on the outside, and I don't know about you. But I am so impressed with Mac Jones mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, his, Bama's quarterback's his, great. Oh, and but but you kind of hear sometimes he's just always oh, system guy. Well, anybody could put up numbers with those receivers. Like yeah, it helps. <laughs> it helps to have those. Look guys, at who but, he's had to follow at Bama. Oh, I mean, man, he's, but, had, he's had he's had to follow. Yeah, he, he's he's look had it. to follow Hertz. He's had to follow Tua, and yeah. he's been nice. He is. He's incredible. He I interrupted is. you. Forgive me there, but he's no. He's he he makes it go. Deadly. He's got great weapons, but he makes it go. He's deadly. I mean, he is deadly accurate. He he moves in the pocket pocket really well. Uh, and you God, you see to bring it back to Nebraska, but you see you see what Nebraska's missing, hmm. right? And and you see just the the ability to chuck it down to take some shots and connect on a few of them. For crying out loud. <laughs> and when you do, you're scoring more touchdowns. And, I mean, Nebraska just didn't connect on any of those. Like, hardly at all the entire year. And that just – it's so limiting for your offense. Well, and you just see when <laughs> when you're able to take some shots, when you're able to convert a couple, just everything opens up and the game becomes so much easier. And it, case in point is Ohio State and Alabama. The way they play right now, that's essentially it, isn't it? Like they they have right? a they have a the fantastic offensive line. Yeah. They are able to run the football and then what what made Fields so great last night was his play action and you saw game 1 against Nebraska with the cushion, right? Everyone's bitching and moaning, why is Nebraska playing 15 yards off the w-? Well, <laughs> Clemson's Clemson's fellas in the secondary had no answer. You get sucked up on play action. 
bang it's over the top for another 50-yard hit, right? And same with Alabama. You get beat to death by their incredible running game. And, and that hurdle by Najee was just filthy, where he he's, you know, you're not supposed to be able to, to run for 40 more yards after... <laughs> You know, navigating a live hurdle of a Notre Dame player along the sidelines, right? Where he clears seven feet with the jump as he gets to the outside. Uh, the run game makes the pass game go. And man, we've been screaming all year about Nebraska's inability to get downfield. Now you saw a little snippet of that with Wandale on a wheel route on a cold night in New Jersey to, to end the year. But the fact that you the fact that you have to summon up that like there's that there was that one there's, play, there's that one play that one time <laughs> you know and we all were, yeah oh yeah yeah I remember that it, it, can, it can happen <laughs> I mean jeez you know like that's what we have to summon up is that one play that one time against Rutgers yeah you know look Nebraska's got a ways to go to be. Alabama and Ohio let's, State. Let's get let's like, get to five hundred and be <laughs> right. truly bowl eligible. And I know that's not what you want to hear. That's yeah. still a thing. I, so. I don't know that it is, but uh, you know, as we bring it back to Nebraska, I mean you think about field position, you think about turnover margin, you think about Nebraska on offense. And you, you know, even you're you're watching Northwestern do their thing, how well their defense played against Auburn. And, you know, Auburn and, and Georgia and, and the rest of the SEC teams, uh, their motivation is, is not an excuse. And they tend not to be as dominant anymore, aside from the top tier SEC teams. But, it, I mean, it's been a pretty good run by Big Ten teams uh, just outside the college football New Year's Day 6, okay, where you have Northwestern taken down and on paper, and this is not knocking Northwestern at all. They played great yesterday. But Northwestern's now another team in a long line of Big Ten teams that were probably second or third, right, in the league. Uh, you, you could argue, I mean, based on losing the Big Ten championship game, that was your runner-up. Indiana may have something to say about that as, as far as their quality. But you have an Auburn win this year, uh, you know, win by Northwestern uh, this year. You have Minnesota beat a really good Auburn team last year again on a New Year's Day bowl, and, and Auburn's been the 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 team again. If you think about Wisconsin a few years back when they got their breakthrough kind of cap off a really good season where they're at nine and two or nine and three do they go get an sec type victory type pelt to put on the big 10 wall and wisconsin kind of got that kicked off so i mean the even even the 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 rest of the group that's behind ohio state has has fared very well in some of their contests now it's a matter of time for for nebraska to get in that direction, and Cranach, it all really kind of hinges on on who's coming back, who's heading off into the sunset, and time will tell. We know Decap is off to the NFL. We know Stoll is off to the NFL. There's still no decision officially on a guy like Honus, although I have heard that he had some some repair work done, and I think he'll probably be back. Yep. which is outstanding. Uh, a guy like Stilly, does he give it the uh, the uh, the the sixth year? And because he was playing really good football 
Um, JoJo Doman, I can't imagine Nebraska's defense being as effective as it needs to be without him. Uh, is 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 just versatile and good, and and how sure of a tackler he's become. I thought he was Nebraska's best. I, I don't disagree year. with you too. I think Cam Taylor Britt's right up there for discussion. I think Cam's going to get his NFL grade back, and you know, best case probably third round, but probably that third through fifth round window. Okay, but I think Cam's going to be like, damn it, I'm a first round guy or a second round guy, so. Does he make the decision to go? Because the, the rookie minimum jumps up this year. So you get drafted, your rookie minimum is really nice. Uh, you still got to make the squad, obviously. And you're not, guaranteed, you're not guaranteed to do that fourth round or beyond in all likelihood. Not that he wouldn't, but just looking at numbers, right? So does he come back and, and anchor a secondary where he may or may not have his two safeties back, or he may be breaking in two. But, you know, the, the bright spot for Nebraska in 2020 was their defense. And, yes, I know the Illinois game happened. But overall, I mean, you saw Nebraska do their job, do it well uh, with that front seven and in the secondary in, in a lot of the games. I mean, Nebraska's was in every game they played this year. And Nebraska's defense kept Nebraska football in about every game they played this year. It's about mm-hmm. complementary football and what can you get worked out offensively, you know, that's and, and, and special teams. I mean, we kind of outlined the field position, the turnover margin, the kicking, uh, and, and of course, uh, what you're getting from your offense here so you're not putting the defense. I mean, a lot of the times when, when the defense allowed – some major outbreaks or some drives that couldn't happen to happen. It was it was after either a turnover, a short field, a horrific punt, or there was just a return set up where Nebraska didn't cover it like they needed to. I mean, I don't I don't recall too many just flat out eighty or ninety yard drives on the Nebraska defense. They may get some points off of a of a, off of an extended drive, uh, but overall. Uh, it, it wasn't like you just ran it down or threw it down Nebraska's throat last year defensively. So, uh, okay. you know, the offense has got to get rolling. That's completely obvious. And uh, from a from a head coaching perspective, I think, you know, you've got Scott Frost that has, take, has taken an extended look in the mirror with just what he needs to do with his duties as head coach. They've recruited extremely well, all right? You need to retain some of that talent. You need to continue to develop some of that talent. And then you need to continue to make adjustments with, all right, with what I want to do, back to the identity part, uh, what what am I bringing in at running back, right? Because I think we can all like look and say, okay, I think there's decent offensive line play this last season at, at, at times when you committed to it, right? And, and I think that they have some more uh, pops when I think of, uh, some of the talent that was that was redshirting or saw the field this year, and more linemen coming in with this recruiting class, I think they're going to be fine at offensive line. Do you have a Big Ten running back? I mean, do you have a guy that, okay, if Mills moves on at the age of 24, you can turn to? And, and maybe the answer is yes, no one's seen it, okay? Can you get a guy developed uh, between spring and into, into this upcoming fall camp to, to be – the guy who can carry it. And are you willing to commit to carrying the football in your run game with the same guy for 20 to 25 totes versus your your quarterback? 
carrying it up to almost 20 times a game is what it felt like the average was. So I'm I'm all good for the, the quarterback, eyeback, one-two punch carrying the football, but it can't be so lopsided with the quarterback. I'm interested, too, you know, from the receiving standpoint, you get another year to work together and uh, and get things figured out it, with Adrian as your quarterback, figure out what you're going to do with Luke McCaffrey, uh, let's get bets, uh, a few more plays, right? Alante Brown. I mean, there are still some weapons. You got Nixon that's recovering from injury. You got Wandale. So, I mean, the, the pieces are there. You've just got to be better at it. You got to be better at delegating. You got to be better at communicating and they've got to be better at developing. And, and that's your job as you embrace this CEO role, truly year four as head coach going into a murderous schedule. Is he going to though, right? Is he I, going, going I, to embrace I think, the I think, CEO he, I think role? he has to. I mean, I think if push sure. comes to shove, but is he going to? I, I think there's enough people Scott Frost cares to hear from that have probably given this. Okay. Yeah. There, if look, you have a, if you have enough of the same message, dude, what's up with your guys's communication? I mean, right? We hit on the why is the punter kicking it to to, to Crookshank again? Right. That's that's the example that's still burned into our mind. Well, he wasn't supposed to. Well, the game of telephone can't happen on college football Saturdays, all right, no. when it comes to communication. Here's what we're doing. I'm the head coach. Here's what we're doing. Special teams uh, analyst, special teams analyst. Who are you talking to that actually can coach on the field? Those that are coaching on the field, please communicate that to whoever's kicking the football. Yes, get it out of the end zone. And yes, it, kick it out of the end zone. Uh, when you got a guy like Crookshank back there. I mean, from a special team standpoint, that that's the game of telephone where somebody didn't execute it or didn't get the message. Well, there's that. And then do you remember this year coming into the year when – there was some there was some talk. Greg Austin, the offensive line coach, uh, kind of calling out. I wouldn't say he's calling out Frost, but he was basically saying, "Look, if if you want to get the run game established, then you have to call those runs. Mm-hmm. Like we we aren't calling the runs to establish a run game. You wonder if this year, if because look, I think there were times when they did try to call runs, and that man, it was getting stuffed because they had an extra but, box because there was no no so an extra guy in the box. They had no respect for Nebraska's maybe. passing threat. That's as part of it, but it's also I think you're going against Northwestern's defense, sure, and which and is you're great. Maybe a little, and you're maybe a little too quick to abandon it. Sure, Not, you know, that, that that's could be a fair. Part of it too. That's fair. Uh, so you know that's I. And you mentioned communication. I think that's across the board, too, is they need to figure out what, you know, Frost has, has done, a, has said some things where he's made these kind of bolder proclamations that play really well on social media. I know that's not why he's doing it, but things like, hey, you know, we'll never scream down a kid. We'll always just love up on him and support him. We're about, you know, no fear of failure. And having a, an, a big desire to succeed, mm-hmm. like you'll see, he says a, a lot of these things, and philosophically they make sense. But are you really about it? I, that's one thing that I'm watching. That I'm just sort of like, I, I just see some mismatches there with what's being said, what's being proclaimed, and then what's actually happening. Another one of those things is it's competition every week, mm-hmm. competition at every single position. Competition, competition, competition. Okay, then why are you passing on Burrow, dude? 
Like honestly, and I know that's old school. Old. I'm. It's, I'm bringing up, you know, two years ago stuff. But really, if you're really about the competition, like why? Why are you passing on? What really? Mm. Bring them in. Let them compete. See what happens. Um, and then you go into you go into the no fear of failure. Well, why why are you fair catching kicks? That's. I mean, I I can tell that. When the team is returning a ball, uh, they're not doing very well. I understand that. I understand that your kick return game is not very good. But when you're about no fear of failure and you're fair catching kickoffs, you, you see how those things are at odds? Oh, right? there's, there's so much at odds. And I'm not saying the entire program's at odds, but you got you to gotta do what you say. You can't say one thing and, and do another in, in instances. And I think... Don't kid yourself. Some indecision or some different decisions probably helped play a large role with some of the guys that were putting their hand up or keeping their hand down with who wants to go to a bowl game. I mean, yeah. I, th- there was exhaustion, and we can only imagine uh, with this ups and downs and, hey, we're going to play, hey, we're not going to play, hey, you're in quarantine slash bubble, uh, just embrace it because you love football, and you'll finally get to play. And and then you don't get the results you want. And, you know, it's you need to have a a uniform message for several things. Right. That means you're going to practice. That means you're going to go to class. That means there's going to be competition and, and everybody's held to that standard. And if if somebody's not following suit, it's the locker room's job to get somebody in line. Right. And there needs to be acceptance once you uh, you enter that locker room that if you're not doing what you're you're supposed to be doing, someone calls you out for it. You need to hear that teammate, and 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 fall in line or be gone. Right? I mean, it, it comes down to I think that is a reality where I think you're you're, you're having some guys that, that get to the program from different parts of the country that are super uber talented and they probably haven't had to work real hard at being great because they are just freak athletes and they're special, but there needs to be the reality that, that no one's special. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> no one's special. Once you walk in this facility and f- for years, it's different strokes for different folks based on someone's personality. You know, we've heard, we've heard coach Kaz talk about, I, I could get after Malik Collins but I can't get after him the same way. Uh, I'd have to be different with Vincent Valentine, right? Different personalities. Um, so th- there is going to be a bit of that. But yeah, you, you, at some point, it, it's okay to, to to scream at a kid, and it's okay for a teammate to scream at another teammate. I mean, there needs to be that availability uh, within the culture of a locker room because it's life. I mean, eventually, you've had enough of the same mistakes. And you got to unleash the fury on somebody, or 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 replace that person. That's why I didn't have a problem with with uh, Scott Frost leaving it up to the team about whether they're going to continue the season, whether they would accept a bull bid. You know, he essentially left it up to them. And look, there there they, were they had people, enough. Yeah, there were enough people on the squad that said they had enough. I do wonder the percentage of those people. Who are actually going to be back next year, though? Right, and and maybe it, if you were to tweak it in the future, yeah, those just, that are, those those that are I, coming back should have had the voice. 
Well, maybe, right? But mm-hmm. but I'm I'm actually okay with him leaving it up to because that that is one thing that I, I have been happy with that I think that there is some consistency and message there where he's just saying, hey, the best teams are player led, mm-hmm. right? And you know you can agree or disagree. There's different ways to do it, um, but I I agree with that thought <laughs> and he, he left it up to them, left it up to the players and there was a vote and there was probably some internal strife about it. Some guys really wanting to play, some guys really wanting not to. And then some guys probably leaving the program, like voting against it. And then now actually not even coming back. Right. right? Um, but there's probably a handful that are coming back. So how is that going to be dealt with internally? Right. And it's not like the coaches are going to reprimand anybody. That's that's a locker room thing. That's a player led thing. What do you want to be about team? <laughs> right. I think that's Frost asking those guys. He's OK. Players team. That's that's, you know, lifting 13 months out of 12. Mm-hmm. You know, that's working out constantly that is eating salads for breakfast and like doing whatever you have to do to get on the field. What do you want to be about? Right. He's leaving it up to them. And look, I, I'm OK with that part. I think that part's fine. And look, you're and you're in a conference, too, as we're seeing. You're in a conference, too, man, where, look, you got to come correct now. Mm. You know, even if you're not you don't have to be elite necessarily. But you better be elite when it comes to details. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You better know how to cover a kick. You better know how to return a kick competently. You know, you, you better know how to, I don't know, not commit 10 penalties. You better know how to throw a ball like downfield. <laughs> right. Well, here's, like, here's my here's my thing. And we'll hear you from Fred. how not to have delay of games and oh, procedure penalties. Exactly. Like, you got you to play no, clean. There's no crowd. I mean, there's no one to, to force you to jump off sides. And when it comes to, to addressing these issues, how's it going in practice? Right. Uh-huh. Are you seeing this in practice? And if there is a mistake in practice, are you. Pulling the old Carl Polini, run it again. I mean, right? Are you stopping and starting over, or are you correcting later on during meetings when you're watching okay, film? Okay, now you, you just hit on something, and now we're not there. Disclaimer: We are not there. No, we, we have are not, not at practice. But despite our best effort and the amount of camouflage Elijah Herbal has in his closet yeah. uh, to to sneak in and and want to be there in the room. That is the report, though, right? right. That was the report. It's it's about fast practices in the morning. Get your work in. Get your work done. I get it. But how how are you correcting? This is what we have to go off of, right? This was was Frost, I think, when he first got hired, where he talked about the the practice style being, yeah, we don't really correct in the moment. We just move move on. We correct it later in the film room. So a mistake happens, it's like, okay, big deal. Go, Move on. Next. Go, 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 go. So it's about pace, pace, pace. You don't correct in the moment. That does make me want – now, I don't know if they're still doing that, but if they are still doing that, is that maybe something to look at, right? Is, is that something to look at where it's like – Maybe you spend two and a half – Maybe you spend two and a half hours. On, on, on. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there aren't consequences for – <laughs> for major mistakes that end up upending drives, right? Like, is that part of it? Mm. Who knows? It. I mean, we don't know for sure. 
but something's way off, hmm. right? There's no question about that. There, there's something that is very amiss, you know. And and is it is it is it the the fit? Is it Frost applying a style of go fast, go fast, go fast, where he had the personnel at Oregon, obviously. He had a whole culture that was accustomed to doing that. And then applying it to Central Florida where it's like, hey, lo and behold, you actually you just had personnel that was pretty damn similar. Hmm. And they didn't have the culture part down yet, but personnel-wise, yeah, yeah, you had a lot of freaking speed on that team. You don't necessarily have that here. And you were also going against defenses that, you know, tackling is kind of optional in Pac-12 <laughs> and AAC, right? Except for like the top one or two programs, like tackling is not, that's not what they're about. Now, now you're in a, now you're in a conference where like defense is taken very seriously by pretty much every program. You don't necessarily have that speed and you're still applying, you're still applying what you knew at Oregon and UCF to this situation, and is that a misfit? Does it translate? Well, the search for that identity, uh, and do you have a backup go-to if what you want to do can't be done or isn't working? That's uh, on the to-do list for Nebraska football, and uh, that is an issue for Nebraska basketball. We'll hear from Coach Hoiberg next, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, back with you for another year. Happy New Year. Chris Schmidt, uh, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We'll step aside, and uh, some of Coach Hoiberg's presser from yesterday as uh, we uh, gear up for a, a 2021 uh, full of football, hoops, baseball, all things Nebraska. And we'll hear from the mayor coming up on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We are here with Coach Hoiberg. I'll start with Robin Washington. Hey, Fred, with the problems your team is having shooting right now, how do you balance adjusting to uh, fix what they're struggling with while also, like, still doing what you want to do offensively? More specifically, like, have you considered at all slowing things down, maybe reducing the tempo to try and have more set plays to create even higher percentage looks? Or are you just going to kind of ride this thing out and continue to to have that identity that you ultimately want? Yeah, well, first of all, Happy New Year to all you guys. Hope, hope everybody's doing well. Um, you know, as far as we've talked about it, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you look at our numbers, obviously we're not shooting the ball very well. We're not shooting it well at all right now. And, and uh uh, assist a turnover for the year is basically one to one, and that's that's just not good enough. That's not going to win many games when you're shooting the ball like we are and, and turning the ball over like we are with low assist totals. Uh, so we've talked about putting in a whole new set, a simple set that has more structure to it and more control on who we get the ball to. That all being said, we missed night, uh, had 19 open threes, what we consider open shots from the three-point line in the last game, and we made four of them. We had seven that we consider semi-contested, meaning a late contest. Uh, and a couple of the guys we had shooting them, uh, you know, we liked those guys shooting the ball. So, you know, to me, th- this game is so much about confidence. When you have it, uh, you're on top of the world. When you don't, that rim looks like a little thimble up there. And that's what it looks like to our, a lot of our guys right now. Uh, so, you know, again, I've talked about the work ethic of our players. They, they, they come in, they, you know, they'll all be in tonight. 
to get extra looks, extra shots. And it's all about hopefully having a game where we see it go in the hole and that all of a sudden changes the mindset of our players and completely flips the confidence uh, a lot of it with our guys are playing with low uh, confidence right now. So we just, you know, sometimes it's as simple as that, Robin. You got to find a way to put that thing in the hole, get it behind you, understand you can do it, you see it happen, and then you're off and running. And hopefully we, uh, we start making them soon. But yes, as far as to answer your initial question, we've talked a lot about that. Uh, you know, but at the same time, when you create 19 open threes, you got to knock them down. You got to be able to find a way to stay mentally tough if you've missed a couple and have the attitude that you're going to knock the next one down. Steve Sipple. Sometimes you need to get away from the kids for grown-up time, or get away from the grown-ups for kid time. Uh, Happy New Year, Fred. C- kind of going off of Robin's question, if the threes aren't falling. What what becomes most important in your offense to sort of compensate for those threes not falling? Well, obviously, we don't have a big post threat right now that we can throw the ball to when the ball when we're not making our threes. Uh, even on the rim, you know, the rim rolls on our pick and roll where we get it into the paint. Some of that's leading to open threes. Some of it's leading to plays at the rim. The other thing, we were eight for 19 at the rim. Again, when you miss threes like we did and you're not finishing at a very high percentage at the rim, uh, that's not a very good recipe. You're going to score you know, in the low 50s, which we've done the last two games, and you're not going to win many ball games. Uh, so you know, we get our paint touches a lot of times with the roll man. Uh, you know, we've got a guy in Derek that's got one more game to sit, uh, who is arguably our best finisher in the paint. Uh, you know, Teddy's a guy that we can throw it to, but you know, he's been settling a little bit lately off the block as opposed to trying to get deep position. Uh, you know, Delano's a guy that we need to get it to more within the flow of our offense in the post. Uh, so we've got a few things, uh, you know, that we can get it down there. Now it's about making the right decision, and it's about finishing. But when you don't shoot well and you don't finish well, uh, you're going to struggle to score. So based on what you've said, 19, you've, had, you've had open shots, you've had shots at the rim. Is there danger in your shoes of overreacting to a lo- just a loss like what occurred at Ohio State? I, I mean, that's the other thing. The, the knee-jerk reaction to a butt kicking is, okay, we got to change everything we're doing. And you know, I know everybody goes through that. When you have a performance a- like we did the other night. Uh, you know, to me, the thing that really bothered me about last game is we just we quit defending. We quit, uh, you know, going out there and trying to match their physicality. And that's when the thing just blew open. We had a stretch. It was a 12-point game. We missed a layup, missed the putback missed the front end of a one-and-one and and missed a wide open, you know, one of those where you can eat a sandwich and then shoot it, threes, and all of a sudden now it could have been five. We had three good stops in a row, and then ultimately after not seeing that thing go through the hoop, you know, the human nature is you don't have the same energy defensively. We have to keep our defensive energy. That's kept us in games where we haven't shot well. It kept us in the Michigan game. Uh, it kept us in the Wisconsin game for the most part. Uh, it kept us in for a big portion of the Creighton game. Last, the last game was the first time I really thought the energy uh, was not where it needed to be to be able to compete in a Big Ten game against a ranked team. And that's what we're going to face all year. And, you know, that, you know, this group has been pretty resilient for the most part on that end of the floor. We just got to find a way to manufacture some offense and make some shots. Thank you. Sam McEwen. I guess I'll ask about Michigan State. I mean, they're 
what's wrong with them? Because <laughs> uh, they're not the team that we would have expected to see this year. They've lost two games by more than 25, I think 25 points. So what are you seeing on tape and what, what team do you think is going to come in? I know you know a little bit more about them than you would other teams because your son's on it. Yeah, they, you know, they're coming off a very similar performance to, to what we are with, with the game at Minnesota. And, you know, I know one thing with having a week to prepare, I can promise you what they have been going through probably isn't real easy and isn't a lot of fun. But, you know, I know looking at Izzo's past, you know, they lost three in a row last year at one point, and then they got it right, and they were one of the best teams in the country at the end of the year. You know, you also understand they lost a a really close game to Wisconsin. They lost a really close game to Northwestern, and then they, you know, they lost handily to Minnesota. And that's what our league is. Our league is so good, you have to be on point every time you step on the floor to have a chance to win. And, uh, you know, coming off you know, week. And the other thing is you get rid of, you know, arguably the best point guard in the country last year and Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman, who was the heart and soul of that team, you know, big part of their final four run, both those guys the year before. And, uh, you know, now you're trying to plug in pieces and players without a, you know, without a much of a summer, without much of a fall, and then you lose five non-conference games. So, you know, they're working some of their stuff out on the fly like we are. And that's just the reality when you have as many new faces without a lot of the early season opportunities that you would normally get to work out the kinks. So, you know, it's for them, they're going to be right there at the end. They always are. And they generally go through a stretch like this. They have the last couple of years when they've been one of the best in the nation at the end of the season. They've also had some big wins. I mean, you look at some of those early season wins that they had at Duke, uh, you know, some of the other ones uh, that they had early. I mean, this is a very, very good basketball team with a lot of talent, and they're working through some things like we are and like a lot of the other teams in the country are right now. But the teams that have a prideful group, I know they do. I know we do. Uh, you keep battling, and hopefully the, the, the switch will flip, and, uh, and you can get on a roll. Do you think teams will try to go to school on Ohio State's tape and just, I don't try to shove you around and be physical the way they were. Cause I mean, they got away with some things in that game too. So do you think other teams will try to do that? Well, I think some of it is just, it's the makeup of your group. That's who Ohio state is. That, that's what makes them who they are. And we talked about that in the two days we had to prepare that you gotta be ready for a physical battle with them. And, you know, you gotta bring your hard hat to that game. If you don't, you're going to get, you get, you know, exactly what happened to us. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot depends on the makeup of the group. Michigan State is a physical basketball team. Uh, they've got skill, you know, all over the floor with their perimeter guys, and they can take you inside as well. And that's, you know, been the makeup of Tom Izzo's teams, you know, going back 25 years, is they are tough, hard-nosed, uh, fast, uh, rebounding. Uh, so those are going to be big parts of our game plan. We have to get back in transition, and we have to battle them on the glass. If we do those two things, we will hopefully have a chance. Kevin Sitz. Happy New Year, Fred. Uh, you know, you guys played on Thanksgiving. You played on Christmas, and now here it's uh, New Year's Day, and you're preparing for a game tomorrow. Do, does it even seem like a holiday to you guys today? And uh, what does your schedule look like on a day like this? Yeah, it's no. To answer your question, no, it it, it really doesn't. Um, you know, I rang in the New Year, went going to bed at about nine forty-five last night, just not sleeping much the previous two nights. So you know, it, we we came in here uh, early. We got our uh, uh, COVID testing done early, watched film with our players, and then went out and had a good, crisp 
you know, kind of walkthrough type practice. We went really hard yesterday after getting back at about midnight. You know, we brought him in there and, you know, I told him, if we're not going to bring it in the game, we're going to get it out of you in practice. And, and they came in and, and they competed. So today we backed off and they're sore. Um, you know, they're ornery, as we all are right now when you go through what we're going through. Uh, but, you know, we felt that was the best thing to do yes, yesterday because we didn't guard the ball. You know, we didn't close out with urgency. We didn't battle their posts the way we needed to. So we tried to simulate all that in a practice, you know, shortly after uh, we got back at midnight. So today was all about trying to get them back, uh, have a good mental day. We still did go up and down a little bit, but just try to prepare them and keep them fresh uh, so we can go out there and hopefully have our legs. So, you know, it's to answer your questions, it feel like a holiday. No, none of, none of them have to this point. When you play on the holidays like we have with Thanksgiving, Christmas, and now New Year's, um, you know, you just try to stick with the task at hand to get your team prepared to go out and play, uh, which I give our guys credit. You know, it's such an unusual year, and you're playing on holidays. Normally you're spending with your families. Uh, I give our guys credit for preparing the right way and, and going out and doing everything we're asking of them right now in a very difficult time. So we'll take about three more. I got Jacob Padilla. With, with Derek's, uh, Derek's suspension almost coming to an end, how do you handle his practice reps as far as playing the scout team versus kind of getting incorporated with the top units? Yeah, I, we're, we're still having him. He was on the scout team. We're doing extra work right now with Derek and some of the other guys, bringing him in either early or after practice where we're getting him reps uh, with, our, with our offense. And, you know, we, we obviously the last week we've, we've gotten him a lot more reps with – uh, the guys that he's going to be playing with here starting in our next game at Purdue. Uh, he's, he's been phenomenal. Like, you know, Derek, the last year and a half, uh, you know, getting close to two years, has done everything we've asked him to do. And, you know, he had the disappointment of what he thought going into the season. Uh, you know, he would either have a short suspension or no suspension. And then, you know, basically it was the same as it would have been in a normal year. So he has he struggled with that early, but, you know, he's really getting excited about getting back out there. Now we can't expect Derek to come back the minute he steps on the floor and all of a sudden now everything changes because we have Derek Walker back. It's going to take him some time sitting as long as he has to get his timing right, to get his conditioning right. Uh, but he will help. There's no question because of his ability to finish and give us a threat uh, in the paint. And, you know, we're all excited to get him out there as coaches and certainly his teammates are excited to get him back out there. But, you know, it's going to take him a little time to get him to where he wants to be and, and where we need him to be. Simple. Uh, just Fred, quick follow, um, really simple one. How do you feel about your point guard play? Well, yeah, I mean, you look at what Delano's done as far as numbers-wise. He's putting up really good numbers. He struggled in the last game, uh, obviously, with his shooting. He had been shooting it at a, at a pretty solid clip, uh, you know, for where he was in the past, and he's really worked hard at it. When he has an open one, we expect him to shoot it, and we expect him to make it. Uh, you know, as far as our pace, our pace numbers, possession length is really good from where we want it. I think we're second in the nation right now. Uh, in big schools in possession length uh, but you know at times we don't come down in with the organization uh, maybe that we need and again I put that more on me you know we had a guy sitting out in Delano last year and a guy Trey that played mostly off the ball his first two years at Pitt and you know Kobe is kind of the third guy uh, that gives us minutes at the uh, at the point as well 
So, you know, it is. It's about coming down, recognizing, understanding where guys are. If somebody gets it going uh, in the flow to try to get the ball back, we did a phenomenal job with Teddy in that, with uh, the Michigan game, especially in that first half. Uh, but for the most part, with you know having a guy that didn't play a year ago and having another guy that really hadn't had much experience at the point, uh, you know I've been for the most part pleased with our point guards. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. Last question, Robin Washit. Hey, kind of speaking about the, the rotation, you guys played nine guys at least seven minutes last time out, and then you're adding another one in a couple games with Derek. Um, ideally, do you eventually want to pare down that rotation to a certain number, or is that still very much in flux, just kind of given the, the, the nature of your roster right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the hardest part of being a coach is is distributing the minutes. So you want you want to see every single guy on your on your roster be successful, and you know the reality with when you have thirteen scholarship players, uh, you know usually you play eight or nine, and uh, you know try to get everybody else to accept when what their roles are and, and if they get thrown into the game go out and take advantage of it uh you know what i saw leading into the ohio state game you know our second group uh they were phenomenal and they played great basketball and i thought they deserved opportunity uh, to be out there on the floor and that's how it's going to continue to be you know when we have disappointing whether it's a loss or a disappointing effort you know to get the guys that practice well opportunity and then whoever plays uh, best is going to be on the floor at the end. So, you know, right now we've just got a group and everybody's, uh, you know, going out there and competing and fighting for those quality minutes. And then especially at the end of games, and we're still searching for who is the right group to be in there at the end. And really right now it's going to be the players that are producing and, and uh, giving us the best chance. Thank you, guys. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Great to be back with you. It's Hour 2. It's Weekend Edition. Hail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff from uh, Coach Hoiberg as Nebraska gets ready for Sparty tonight. And uh, we are watching kind of through the creeks of our hand here. Afraid to get a full look. See if Nebraska basketball can get things turned around. That was a... A woofer uh, the other night against Ohio State. College football is alive and well. Really impressive win by Ohio State over Clemson last night. And we'll spend some time on Nebraska football for 2021. We welcome in the managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Brandon Vogel. Also author with John Cook as Husker Volleyball set to go smoke some people here in the coming weeks. Uh, Dream Like a Champion, the book with John Cook and Brandon Vogel. can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogue's Happy New Year or, or Merry New Year, as Eddie Murphy said. What's up, man? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Happy New Year to you guys as well. I appreciate this call. So now that I know, I now know it's Saturday. Feels like the first time yes. in about nine days that I know what day it is. That, that's yeah. that's the same here because it's all been kind of a blur. I've watched a little football. I've spent a lot of time in the gym. It hasn't mattered because my food choices have not been great. I've just been counteracting. 
But I got a kick out of this, and there's there's so many parody accounts that, that exist on Twitter. And I sent this to you guys. We started the show off as we returned to 2021 with Lars Anderson's tip of the cap to Nebraska football, helping pave the way for Ohio State's uh, demolishing of Clemson last night. Well, the arrogant Ryan Day Twitter account is is beautiful, <laughs> especially the bio on it. But we we've, we're either waiting or some of us have received our, our $600 stimulus. And arrogant Ryan Day wants us to know that the $600 stimulus, if you can picture this in your mind, is Trevor Lawrence on his back after getting smoked last night. And the $2,000 stimulus is, is just a, a picture of a healthy, wonderful uh, Mr. Fields. And uh, there's your difference between the $600 and the $2,000 stimulus. So, Vogues, I mean, hey, uh, Nebraska was tied with three and a half minutes left against Ohio State in their first half, so Nebraska's not too far away from Clemson, right? That was my takeaway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I thought that was so good. When when those uh, when those opening lines came out for those playoff games, I was like, ah, you know, it seems like Ohio State might be getting undervalued here a little bit. But in no way did I did I foresee uh, what was what was actually going to happen. What we saw unfold last night. I mean. And I think there was something to the. It, it was just hard to know what to make of the Buckeyes because of because of the six games thing. Now, should Dabo have ranked them eleven? No, um, and he is getting roasted. It's been a fun, you know, fourteen hours on Twitter because like, why do that? Why give them that? Mm-hmm. Even if you're trying to take like a philosophical stand of, I think it's important that teams the teams that played more games are ranked higher. Fine. Just don't do it. Don't do it for a week. Nobody cares about the coach poll anyway. Like, I, I could not believe that not only did he do that, knowing it would be public, but then took questions on it and talked about it. And then, hey, when Ohio State comes out and beats you, well, you got to deal with that part of it too. So, happy New Year. It, it is. And there's some comments from Dabo. Uh, and he's kind of stuck to his guns there, but they were. Very matter of fact between Lawrence and Dabo last night in their post game, just about the the butt kicking that that was handed out by Ohio State. Vogues and Krennic, I'll let you jump in. Sorry about that, but you just saw you saw we we talk about motivation, right? When it comes to to bowl games, and you had a it kind of reminded me of of Nebraska. Just the heartache they felt in 93 with the Florida State Bowl loss to, in, in, in the 94 Orange Bowl and then that unfinished business mantra, right, where all year you were you were working towards this goal to get back at it and claim what you thought was yours. You had a similar mentality with Ohio State. You just had COVID and, and, and Big Ten leadership thrown into the mix, which was a whole different beast. But really it was... Ohio State wanted one more dance with Clemson. They wanted one more shot to 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 take down the team that they thought, man, we had a great game last year and some things didn't go our way. We just fell short. I, I give them so much credit because Ohio State kind of, a lot of credit goes to Northwestern, but they just didn't, they, they kind of limped towards the end. But man, when the lights were on, they, they were incredible last night with their run game, with their emphasis on the run. 
And then everyone's kind of been questioning Fields about his throwing ability. Is he injured? What's it? You know, he's looked kind of shaky. Well, he, he was phenomenal last night throwing the play action. Can you take notes on this if you're a Nebraska football fan uh, when it comes to setting up the run to get downfield with your passing game? I'm asking for several friends. <laughs> um, I would I would hope so because it's it you look at it and it it may end up being a pretty powerful lesson for Ohio State. You know they got tested by Indiana, but were pretty comfortable in, in most of their their Big Ten games. You I mean you think back to that first game that they they played against Nebraska, and Fields was able to do whatever he wanted. You know Nebraska was super cautious and in past defense to, to try and not give up. I mean, when, the, when, when Justin Fields can throw the ball from his 38 to the one-yard line, uh, you, you see why you, you kind of try to keep everything in front mm-hmm. and, and live to fight another down. Um, but that Northwestern game, with the way it unfolded, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking about Ohio State's run game pretty much at all. Like, I mean, we know they're talented. We know they're talented on the offensive line, and they have talented backs, but it was like, yeah, it just wasn't a factor. Northwestern forcing them to be like, we're just going to give the ball to Trey Sermon and let him go because it's what what's working here may have been the, the perfect lesson at, at the perfect time. And, and, you know, Ryan Day took a lot, well, not a lot, but took some heat during that game for not going to, to the run game sooner. Uh, but credit to him now, I mean, because they certainly came out and did it against Clemson, the best team they faced so far this year. So, it's, it speaks well, I think, of, of Ryan Day and that coaching staff. And hey, hat tip to hat tip to the Wildcats because they may have given uh, given Ohio State just what they needed. We'll see. You know, this Alabama game is, of course, going to be tough, but at least you're there. You've given yourself a shot. You know, it's interesting to bring this back to to Nebraska. The idea of run the ball. That was sort of frowned upon in the Mike Riley years. Like, oh, shut up. That's old school. It's not the '90s anymore. You got to be able to put it up and throw the ball all over the field. There seems to have been a a, a return of the notion in Nebraska circles of no, run the ball, <laughs> run it. Um, it's a T-shirt. It, I mean, really, it's 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 found a resurgence. And when you look back on twenty years of Nebraska trying to find this passing attack, you basically have Quincy and Nunwa as the only bona fide NFL player at wide receiver. You know, you, seriously, that's it. That's pretty much the only guy who has stuck in the league for any length of time. Now, I know you had some practice squad guys, but for the most part, that's it. In twenty years of trying, it doesn't work um, here. Anyways. Do you think that when you boil it down, that is Nebraska's number one thing they have to figure out? Out of all the things they have to figure out, and there's a great series on HailVarsity.com right now, breaking down all kinds of different things, but effectively running the ball, would you put that as number one or 1A? Where, where, was it, where would that rank for you? Uh, I, I, I think it's number one. It, w- it was kind of number one for me going into 2019, you know, when <laughs> when things certainly looked like they were uh, re- irrefutably on the upswing, like you expected Nebraska to make progress from how it finished 2018. But you lost a couple key members on the O-line and you lost Devina Zigbo. Um, so going into that season, I was like, the one thing that could derail Nebraska here is if, if, if they aren't a- as, a- as able to run the ball as they were over the final, well, basically the back half of that 2018 season. And they weren't. 
Like they were super reliant on the quarterback run game. And, and the crazy thing about 2020, uh, when you brought all your offensive linemen back and your primary ball carrier back was that it felt much the same. So I, I think it's at the top of the list for me. And it's, it's not all that close because everything kind of with this offense, I think snaps together from there. Like if you have that run game working and can be not just consistent, but also a, a bit, a bit more of the big play threat that way. And, and I'm almost, I'm like taking out quarterbacks here whatsoever. Like you want that to be a facet of your offense, but it can't be the primary way you move the ball on the ground. Um, because, you know, part of the reason you could until Northwestern forced the issue with Ohio state, you could kind of forget about the, the Buckeyes run game was, well, Justin Fields can sit back there and complete 22 of 24 passes. Nebraska can't do that right now. And and it's probably never going to be able like Ohio state receiver talent is off the charts and has been for like four or five years now. Um, Nebraska is going to have a hard time matching that in, in recruiting. It doesn't mean they can't get some of those guys, but you have to have that run run threat to to be able to then I think open up the big play passing game um, because just bombing it downfield sixty yards and you know Fields made some amazing throws last night but there were also some great catches and there also wasn't a ton of room on, on some of those touchdown passes. It's going to be a while before Nebraska can do that. <laughs> the, the much easier way to to kind of progress here is to really hone in and develop that ground game. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, I, I want to zoom out a little bit and look at the Big Ten as a whole because it's been a great bowl season for them, still undefeated. Uh, and then you have Ohio State advancing to the college football championship game. Uh, so when you're just looking at the Big Ten as a whole right now, is it the best, co- most competitive conference in football? I know the SEC has held that crown for a long time. Um, and then just as a quick follow-up to that, do you see any teams being able to come up to Ohio State's level and maybe challenge for the Big Ten? Um, just because... There is a lot of talent in the Big Ten right now, but it seems like nobody can get over that hump and beat Ohio State. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting conference to to kind of step back and look at, and I, and I think it's it, it, it's one and one a between the Big Ten and the SEC in in terms of just the grind it puts on those teams, and and really the the biggest difference so far might be that the SEC's reputation for being that has been submitted for you know, a decade or more. Meanwhile, it's a, it's a relatively new development in the Big Ten. But I, and, and the other big difference, and, and you hit on it, is it's still Ohio State and everybody else. Like, in, in the SEC, Alabama, yes, uh, has, has earned everything it's gotten and more. But you, you'll still see a Hugh Freeze-led Ole Miss jump up and get them. Um, LSU uh, had, a, had a magical year a year ago. So, who is that other team? So far, Wisconsin has been the closest one. And I, and I think some of this comes down to, to style as well, because consistently, you know, it, Northwestern might be that third team. And, of course, well, Penn State's in there as well. Penn State's the team that, that has the talent to, to go on a kind of LSU-like run, you know. But you look at Northwestern, Northwestern never gets the credit it's due. I, I think in part because of how it plays and also because it doesn't have those kind of singular playmakers on the outside, you know, Northwestern for the past four years has had three of the best linebackers in the country, but you just kind of take it for granted. You're like, well, yeah, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, he's a linebacker. You can get linebackers at Northwestern. 
So I think all of that kind of contributes to the Big Ten maybe not getting full credit for just how tough it is on a, on a week-to-week basis, but you get more results like this, uh, more results like we've seen from the bowl game so far, and, and I think they, they gain ground a little bit on the SEC each time out. Brendan Vogels with us, uh, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Vogels, want to go over to some of your thoughts on HaleVarsity.com's chat with Bill Moose. Uh, I, I saw a little bit of that this morning, getting ready, and kind of kind of run just a couple bullet points and takeaways from you. I know folks can log on and, and subscribe. It's uh, a great price point for the magazine and the digital uh, subscription uh, for Hale Varsity. But it was cool to get caught up with the moose and uh, what uh, what are some things he's looking at? Because that's kind of where we're all at right right now. What's 2021 look like for Nebraska football once things are figured out with who's coming back, who's gone? Is there an identity that's established? And, oh, yeah, that schedule could be very awesome uh, from a home game standpoint, but very, very trying. So I'm sure the moose uh, had some really cool thoughts. Yeah, he did, and credit to Derek Peterson. Uh, he, he was able to get nearly an hour with with Bill Moose, so uh, we'll have plenty more from that conversation. You know, they they touched on on just about everything mm-hmm. as sort of a, a year in review type of thing. Uh, listening to Moose talk about kind of the football program is is always illustrative. Um, I think it's about where where I kind of expected him to be at based on you know previous comments, but he was pretty decisive in, in the way that he worded um, what's the difference between Nebraska now, Nebraska football now and Nebraska football when, when you showed up and, sure. you know, he was like eh, better players further along. Um, it, it hasn't shown up on the field yet. <laughs> like, like a lot of Husker fans, mm-hmm. uh, you, you keep, you keep hearing about kind of penalties and, and the mistakes and it's, it's, you kind of bang your head against the wall a little bit because yeah, everybody can point to you eliminate some of this stuff. And it'd be a lot easier to see what everyone's talking about internally, but it's going to be another eight months before you get a chance to do that. So it was just good to, to catch up with him. You know, we haven't put this up there yet, but had some news, had some interesting thoughts on, on the spring game. So that'll be coming out next week. And, and also some really interesting comments on kind of the, the name image likeness um, cool. legislation that's kind of working itself out right now. Um, so look for that in, in future dates, but so far it's was, it was just kind of good to, to reset and be like, well, here's, here's the boss, so to speak, like, what are your thoughts on Nebraska football as we turn the corner to 2021? Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, and I think maybe the, the thing if you're a fan right now that you're just sort of grappling with is you, you probably didn't expect this many red flags in year three, right? There's just quite a few, quite a few red flags with the program right now where you're just like, good Lord, um, that's going to get fixed, right? Uh if, as you go into this coming year, go into year four, and you look at the schedule, which, hey, you got all those big teams, the big name kind of competitive teams in the Big Ten, you got them all coming to Lincoln. So that's what you would want if you're going to have them on the schedule. You want them coming to Lincoln. But if it doesn't go well, like if you're looking at a four and eight or a three and nine in year four, 
Do do you think just where you're sitting right now? Do you think Moose and Frost both would survive that if that happens in year four? I think I think they would get through one more season, but at that point, like it, it would be clear because right now there seems to be a little bit of a of a divide for for those that are outside of Nebraska just looking at it. You know, they can say, well. Scott Frost, you know, Scott Frost ends up on hot seat lists from from national, you know, college football writers for a reason because, like, you look at the results so far, and yeah, that you would be there in a normal situation. I, I do, I get no sense that you know, and Moose kind of in his conversation with Derek was was along the same lines, which is where he's been the whole time. Like, this is this is not a a three year thing. Uh, it was never designed to be that. Now. Yeah. A bit surprised that you haven't seen. It's just it's so much more unclear at this point than I think almost anyone thought it would be. You know, I remember in in 2016 talking to an AAC assistant coach. So that was the year UCF went six and seven, and it was towards the end of that season. And in hearing him like, yeah, UCF, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be a problem. Like that <laughs> team is a lot better. Um, and, 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 and it was, it was right away. And, you know, I know urban Meyer said that after that 2018 Ohio state game, but that feeling seems to, I don't know if it's gone, if it was never really there, um, but it's not there now. And, and I think that's kind of, if you boil all this down, like, well, you got to cut out the, the untimely penalties and you got to flip the turnover margin. Yes. You got to do all those things. But it's just what what do you have to hang your hat on at this point? In twenty twenty feeling a lot like a run back of, of twenty nineteen in terms of both like the successes you saw but also some of the, the limitations certainly didn't help in that regard. But you know, Nebraska needs to it, it, it needs to show some progress on the field. I think everyone has kind of reached their limit with kind of reading between the lines and some detailed accounting to say, well, if you, if you want to think that Nebraska is making progress, here are some ways you can do that because you can find those things. But it, it, into year four, it, it's got to start showing up in terms of actual wins and losses. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon and Vogels. Way, yep. so, sorry, to, sorry to jump in here, Chris. I, I am not at all comparing what, what Frost has gotten done to the latter years of Callahan or the latter years of Riley, like – Big difference, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, I mean, those were teams that, you know, especially if you look at some of those scores uh, in Riley's last year, some of the scores in Callahan's last year, like complete l- losing of the team, right? Or at least one side of the ball was just completely inept. I don't think you're looking at that. I don't think you're looking at that kind of scenario, but you got to figure out something. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I think the the other thing it underscores for me as is, is kind of looked at this big picture is, you know, it, it's kind of impossible to know exactly where Nebraska was at at the end of 2017. I mean, everyone could look at it and be like, yeah, this isn't how it's supposed to look. But really, um, and this isn't trying to make an excuse, it's just kind of asking the question, like how far behind was Nebraska at that point? Like if you did a true accounting, like if you talked to your assistant coaches throughout the country, to get their unvarnished take. Like, what was their read on Nebraska? Um, how much ground was there to make up? And, and that, that contributes to this because it's, it's kind of impossible to know that. We don't know the starting point 
and and you need to be wherever the starting point is. You can't be committing penalties. You can't be scoring twenty three points a game in the Big Ten. You can't be at least reluctant to forge forward if the run game's working. You can't be wondering who you're who's going to be carrying the football once your JUCO guy leaves if he's leaving. I mean. You're you're you've you've had control of the program this long enough to not have some of those issues, folks, and that's that's kind of the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is, and and you look at you know, Team Green made the decision to mm-hmm. to, to enter the transfer portal, and, and you look at it, it's been pretty hit or miss on the on the junior college front. Uh, you've had a couple of guys, but it, for those those kind of immediate fix type of players, I mean that's that's why you bring them in. Nebraska hasn't had as much success through these these three seasons as you maybe would have hoped or, or thought. Like you get a couple of those to to work out the way you you think they were when you're recruiting guys, and, and maybe it's a little bit different. But yeah, it, you, you want to boil 2020 down, like you said. That that 23 points, uh, you, you better be like Northwestern level and giving up 14 if you're going to win that way. And we know that's not how Nebraska wants to do it. Vogues, this was fun, man. Great to get caught up with you in the new year. We'll do this again soon and have a great weekend of more football. And thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, Brandon Vogel with us on HaleVarsity.com uh, and Magazine. Look, man, I, I was just trying to like look ahead and just be like, yeah, what happens if Nebraska is actually four and eight or three and nine? I listen. But, like, pe- people like, will how, people how? will freak. Okay, people will freak. <sighs> people will be disinterested. Uh, pe- it, here's the other part of it, and this is not to sugarcoat three and nine or four and eight. Okay, you can have a three and nine a year ago, like Northwestern did. As as far as you're in every game. But the reason is your offense was god-awful, and then you jumped to this year for Northwestern because you got it fixed at offensive coordinator and quarterback, right, with to go with to complement your defense. But you can't have a 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight at Nebraska and, and not have changes. You just I'm not, I'm not talking about the head coach, but I'm talking about guys that are under you. Okay, you just you, you can't. And, and I hate saying that because it's not personal, but you can't with this schedule. I mean, if you if you pull off six or seven wins next year, that's nuts. You're going to have to win a lot of close games again, and that's not been a forte of yours. So you just got to be better at not screwing yourself, and that that goes into why you're at three and five this year, or from a game plan standpoint, or not overthinking it, or just being able to go execute and. Go be accepting of, of winning a certain way, and that's if you can run the football to win the game. Then you got to run the football to win the game with the same running back. I mean, it just that's that's what this domino is to me. This domino effect. And yeah, I I kind of don't like I, I don't want to buy into the whole thing of you know your system needs years to finally entrench. It's not it's not a system right that that you need to worry about. It's it's more about just the general principles of what you're about, you know, because like, I mean, Wisconsin's had a few different offensive coordinators. They've had a few different defensive coordinators running, you know, somewhat different systems. It's and not like there's a specific there's been, system. There's been turnover run. with the same result, and that's nine right. or ten wins. Yeah, well, right. And that but but it's because they're 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 underscored by principles more than they are a system. Right. right? It's like on defense. 
we're going to absolutely get after the quarterback. We're absolutely going to stop the run, period, end of story. And That's it, right? The, the Godfather's saying, oh, watching practice every day, and yeah. you're going to do what he wants if you're going to be hired here. Gonna, offense, we are going to run the ball, period. Mm. Like, that is happening. No matter what system you want to install around it to get that done. And I, I just hope that Coach Frost and or Lubick or whoever's running mm-hmm. the offense is not so in love with the system that they, they're kind of losing sight of the end goal, right? Like the end system goal is, is to only win a football means games, to man. get to a W, man. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Right? Let's uh, let's get the iron horse on. Gary Sharp's up next to Tail Varsity Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. We're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Weekend edition, back with you. Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We will be back to... Hail Varsity Radio uh, at 4 on Monday. Myself and Elijah excited after a little bit of a breather. We welcome in the Iron Horse for another year. We say hi to Gary Sharp. Sharpie, Happy New Year, brother. How was your football uh, Friday yesterday? Uh, it was it was good. It was good, especially if you're a fan of the uh, Big Ten and you uh, dislike uh, Dabo Sweeney's mouth. Uh, he got a little karma paid. And it was uh, it was kind of a, another bad uh, day in Dallas for Irish Catholics. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, wow, <laughs> man. Uh, so yeah, Notre Dame uh, just not on the same planet as Bama. That's like most teams. Clemson got annihilated by Ohio State. Ohio State been waiting a whole year for that. As we bring it back to, to Nebraska, Sharpie, let's kind of zero in on the big red football. And, you know, what What are your uh, hopes slash resolutions here if you're, if you're making out a list here in your mind or on paper for Nebraska football 2021? There's still a lot up in the air with who's back, who's going. But, I mean, the schedule is what it is, and uh, it's year four. Can Coach Frost make a jump uh, as a head coach, as a CEO, and get this program kind of flipped around so they're not doing the little things that turn into big things on Saturday? Well, that's, uh, that's all part of the question. And, and moves that he makes before guys uh, return and you sign the last recruiting class in February, mm-hmm. I think says a lot about where the program is going or where – Scott feels like where the program is. I caution people watching those two games yesterday, do not sit there and compare Nebraska to those two teams. Um, they are they are on – there's things those teams did, either Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, which those three are in a, in a group by themselves, um, and then there's Notre Dame. Because those teams had discipline. You could see game plan development, uh, getting the ball to the playmakers, adjustments at halftime, good situational football. They've also – you know, tacked on top 10, top 15 recruiting classes. Um, Nebraska isn't looking at those teams that played yesterday, except for one team that played yesterday, Northwestern. What does Northwestern do well? They take care of the little things, those small details, the execution, the fundamentals, the focus, the lack of uh, penalties, of, of, of fumbles and turnovers and things like that. And they play with great discipline that gives them a chance to stay on the field with Ohio State or beat Auburn like they did yesterday. And we're talking about Northwestern. 
I, I think those are the things. I, I think there's talent in Nebraska's program. I, I think there's plenty of talent in Nebraska's program. But it's the three things that I'm going to be very focused on going into 21, and it starts with the little things. Little things, attention to detail, that can change games so quickly in your own division. Um, and that you have a culture that you can rely on. And I think you have that culture, but maybe you need to reinforce what that culture is. And, and I think, you know, the, the attention to little things, whether it be the coaching, whether you make changes there or adjustments, or what you do on special teams, I think we'll say a lot about where Nebraska can go in the short term compared to the long term. Um, don't compare them to the, the playoff games yesterday. Compare them to Northwestern, because Northwestern has now passed Nebraska in the last couple of years inside of their own division. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. But, you know, here we are after year three, and there are significant doubts now. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Um, significant doubts about, is this going to happen? <laughs> I, I think everybody was pretty sure, like, finally, you know, when, when Coach Frost got hired, the general conventional wisdom was good. Okay, we'll get the strength and conditioning thing back on point. Offense is going to be on point. Uh, you know, Nebraska will be in the fight. But here we are. <laughs> what do you think has to happen in year four to keep this thing going? Because, Gary, I think if, if you end up like a three and nine or a two and ten or something, I hello, <laughs> that's not going to be good. Well, first, everybody has to treat the head coach in Nebraska. Is, his name is Scott Frost. He has no connection to Nebraska. He did a quarterback here in the 90s and won a national championship. Nebraska football the program and the fan base expect a lot more than what they're getting right now. Better football, more consistent football, direction, hope, uh, promise moving forward. And you're right, Mark. There, there, there is not a lot to hang your hat on in 2020. Just imagine if you're a season ticket salesperson for Nebraska. You had a season where nobody could come into the stands. And there's a lot of excitement for the next time that you know Nebraska can open up the gates uh, for a real game, and that's on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 when Buffalo plays here. Try picking up the phone and calling somebody, and they're getting questions on the other end about, okay, yeah, you're telling me you got a good home schedule because there's some really good opponents here, but why would I buy a season ticket? You're running out of selling hope. I mean, it's not like you can say, hey, we got this hotshot young quarterback, we got blah, 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 blah. We really have a lot more questions than we have answers, and I don't think you should be in that position in year, year number four. I think some things can be corrected, but – they're necessarily what I just mentioned. Little things, special teams, attention to detail, relying on your culture when things go wrong. If you can get those in place, then I think there's enough talent there. But what has changed, what I've really seen change this year compared to the previous two years is people wonder if Scott Frost's ceiling is six wins at a Power 5 level. And if that's the case, this isn't working. But I've said from the start that when Nebraska walks off the field on Black Friday against Minnesota uh, later this year, there will be no doubts of where this program is going. It either is not going in the right direction or there's at least something to say, okay, finally they've gotten over the hump and I can see something. Because right now you're kind of like the weather outside here in Omaha and Lincoln. There's this ice fog that you can't really see through. And that's disappointing going into year four. Gary Sharp's with us on Hale Varsity Weekend. Sharpie, when, when you chalk up the inconsistency on offense, is it a matter of, of misses on, and I, I agree with you, I think there is talent in the program, but Nebraska's tried to go the JUCO route or reach for a specific type of recruit that's no longer here. Okay, you've had attrition. You've also, through no fault of your own, had 
you didn't have, you didn't have spring football, and and you had a stop and start, wait and see. Uh, fall camp, not an excuse, but a reality. When it comes to the development of of the kids that you've brought in and where you want to go offensively, do you chalk it up to practice style with making corrections so that there's not a false start or you're you're more refined at getting an identity? Or do you go back to, okay, there's not been a lot of development time due to COVID, due to the stops and starts due to the lack of practice time with some of the skill guys, i.e. the running backs or wideouts. If you were to lean one way or the, or the other for a reason why you're at 23 points a game in the Big Ten, is it lack of lack of time together or is it just not being a, not not having it coached appropriately? Well, I know you have to be off the air at nine. There's a lot in there. Well, I, just I just a quick thought. All, I mean, yeah, it's not all about the quarterback, but. It starts and stops there. You can't have turnovers out of that position like you do now. You have to have you have to have more of the good Adrian, which we've definitely seen, but we've also seen the bad Adrian. I also think you have to have an identity and a game plan development in getting your playmakers the ball in space, making adjustments at a halftime on that side of the ball, being good in situational football. All these things that you know are kind of common that Nebraska seems to, to have issues with. I'll give Nebraska a little bit of a pass. I wonder what it would have been like with some of the younger wide receivers if they had a full spring practice because a lot of those guys were here early. But that just puts a little bit more pressure on you that when you get to spring this year or you begin next year that, that you should be okay, that you should not have these learning curves. You should not have these head-scratching things that are going on. Um, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a weird spot for a program to be in that you – you know, everybody was excited about the hire, and now you're wondering, okay, where is Nebraska going? Because in the last two years, Minnesota and Northwestern has passed Nebraska. That can't happen. But then you have to ask the question, why has it happened? Well, look at what has helped in those programs. In one case, they've got an identity and a culture that they fall back on at Minnesota. They're going to be very physical. Northwestern, they're going to be very disciplined. Those are two things Nebraska doesn't have. Can they get those in the offseason before you play a football game in Ireland or you know here in this country to open up the season? Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, you know, it's funny, too. I think you also have to take this year with a grain of salt. I think a lot of us said that going into the year where it's like weird year. Obviously, you got COVID all over the place. You got weird protocols. It's I mean, it's a strange season. You know, you can't act like it's just normal. Um but at the same time, you know, for as as easy as it is to be negative because of the lack of results, look, Frost has lost 20 games since he's been here. 12 of those by a score or less. Right? So, like, when you look at that, you're just like, whew. I mean, if you're talking about – imagine if all of those, all those 12 losses – I'd just take half. Of, went the other way <laughs> you're looking at a team you know then they're 24 and 8 under front right it's it's a totally different completely different thing. now so what is it going to take to just flip that to flip those because look losing 12 or 20 by a score or less says that you are actually not that far off yeah right so so what's it going to take to just flip it to where instead of losing by a score or less, you're winning by a score or less. Okay, a couple of things there. One, I'm going to disagree with you about Nebraska kind of getting a mulligan, and that's not exactly what you said, Mark. But 
Um, this is going to allow me to get on my soapbox a little bit. Uh, I'll give I'll give Nebraska a little bit of a pass for not having spring ball because I think it would have benefited some guys that it took them a little bit later to develop. But Nebraska practiced throughout. Nebraska mm-hmm. never shut down. They never had any starters miss games because of COVID. So that's on Nebraska. They practiced more than anybody else did in the Big Ten Conference once the season looked like it was going to start and then when it didn't start. To turn those thing, games around, I, I hate going – I hate going down this road because you can, you can spin this narrative however you want. You could say, man, Notre Dame, actually Notre Dame wasn't that bad last night. Look at the final score. Alabama could have walked off the field in the second half and Notre Dame still would not have beaten them. Um, <laughs> what it comes back to in these close games. Now, I can say, okay, if those close games, Mark, happened all at the beginning and now they're not happening, okay, they learned their lesson. But why do those close losses for Nebraska keep happening? Discipline is missing in key games, turnovers, costly penalties, game plan development, playmakers in space, halftime adjustments, situational football, to to put together with the talent that you have on your roster. I don't know if they can ever get those things aligned. And I also don't know, this will be a thing that they've got to figure out in the offseason, or they're just blowing smoke up of all of us about having good weeks of practice leading to Saturday, because I don't know if you heard Urban Meyer after the game last night. He said that after Dabo Sweeney made his comments about Ohio State, Ohio State, Ryan Day told him this, that they probably had their three best days of practice. For us around here, we would roll our eyes. For Ohio State, they understand that practice is one thing, and the only way to see that you've made improvement is what you do with that good practice on Saturday, because those are hollow words. Ohio State, they had three great days of practice. We saw what happened last night. They played one of their best games that they played as a program in a while. I think all of those things, I think there's a lot of things that are up in the air about Nebraska. But you know the thing about where Nebraska's at? And Nebraska's a long way away from the four that played in the playoff yesterday, and they're fourth in their own division, in my opinion. You could even make a case that they're fifth in their own division, and I would probably right now put them fifth. Is some of these things can be fixed on the fly, and they can be done in the calendar year. You don't have to say, okay, we got to wait for another recruiting class or so. But, but do they have the ability currently inside of the program to fix those things? Gary Sharp's with us, Hale Varsity Weekend. Sharpie, uh, a thought as we uh, kind of switch gears to hoops. Uh, big day in uh, the Metro, of course, uh, Bell West and Miller North going to touch gloves in, in Nebraska basketball, uh, a rough, rough watch. Uh, against Ohio State, Sparty comes to town, and um, what did your take on on the on the Metro first? Just uh, the landscape up in Omaha with with high school hoops and and uh, you know Fred and and company and what Nebraska's trying to do. They've got an identity. We talk about Nebraska football yeah. identity. Well, <laughs> basketball's got an identity. The execution's a problem with it <laughs> for sure. At least uh, the last few games. Metro Finals, a rematch of last year's state finals, should be a good one. Both teams are playing well. I I said, watch out for Bell West. People said, man, you lost a lot from last year. Well, they might be a better team than they are this year. I think Millard North's on a mission. Um, That should be a fun game uh, tonight. Unfortunately, it's not inside of a packed uh, arena in Omaha. It's inside of Creighton Prep's gym. Um, Be honest, guys, how long did you stick around watching Nebraska-Ohio State the other night? I made, I, made, I made it through all of it. I mean, I watched all of it, but yeah. it was just like, Jesus, this is bad. <laughs> all right. Um, and and here's the, problem, I don't even know what to make of that, by the way, Gary. It's like yeah, that, was, college. that was really, really bad basketball. I mean, to have only three assists. They have, 
they have problems with their offense in terms of when they when they play it. I mean, when they get them into the half court, Nebraska looks like they're lost because they have areas where the ball just sticks. And I also think they try and run the pick and roll. Well, the guy that is rolling isn't having much success. So right now they're kind of lost on offense. I can I can see what they want to do, um, but it's painful right now to go almost a whole year without winning a Big Ten game. And, and now you got two teams that should be a good game tonight. I, I think I actually I, I think Nebraska will respond. But the problem is Michigan State has to respond. Yeah. I mean, you got two desperate teams playing tonight. I actually think it'll be a highly entertaining game. I think Nebraska will respond a lot better than they did in Columbus. That doesn't mean they're going to win. But they've got some issues that they have to fix out. They've got to they gotta get guys that are more comfortable playing with each other. Um, and I don't, know if, I don't know in the Big Ten if that will let you do it because the Big Ten, boy, if you are sloppy and you are not dialed in, they are going to expose you this year. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the ball sticking. God, what, what is it going to take for Nebraska to field a team under any coach with any players – with just beautiful, crisp ball movement, like is that is that illegal? Can can, can that happen? <laughs> the space in, in Cranac, the space. I mean, here's the thing, man. Just a quick, a quick take on it, guys. I mean, Fred was brilliant with how he set up and did the blueprint with Iowa State with the the ability to go get transfers and, and JUCO kids, and, and his system can work, right? But everyone's kind of jumped on what what he started. And now, when it comes to the talent you're bringing in, I think they're a more talented team uh, than than last year's kids. But they're giving you the same result, and they've they've looked worse. So I don't have an answer, and there's no there's no uh, contingency. All right, if you're if you're 0 for 50 from three, and I'm exaggerating here, there's not exactly anyone you can throw it down on the block to go get you two. I mean, I just, so I, I I've got nothing for you as far yeah, as they're a little bit of a they're a little bit of a hodgepodge team um, that's a work in progress. But you know, the, and then this became the debate after the the performance the other night is Frost against Hoiberg. Brett's <laughs> done it at this level before, you know. Fred, is, so so they'll give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. Um, I just think it's going to be a rough rough year because of the Big Ten, and I think Nebraska's trying to figure everything out with all the pieces they have. You can't retool your roster again in the offseason like he's done the last two years. You have to find a way to work with these guys, but you have to find a way that you're comfortable playing in the half court because if not, you're going to have more cases like Wisconsin and Ohio State and Michigan the last three outings. Sharpie, have a great weekend. Have a good call, and thanks for jumping on with us. Always fun to chat. Hey, thanks, boys. Happy New Year, everybody. You too, bud. Take care. That's Gary Sharp with this weekend edition of Our City Radio. Mark Cranack, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Cranack, another year, brother. It's good to to get back with you in January, and we'll have more uh, ball to talk next Saturday. How's that sound? Let's make it happen in 2021, man. That's Let's the, do it. The T-shirt. Elijah, great good to see if you. either of the men's programs could get W's this There's year. volleyball, and thank God there's Will Bowl. Yeah. All right? All right. Enjoy the weekend. Back at you Monday, 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, enjoy a full NFL day tomorrow. More college football later today on ESPN Lincoln.